going to skip a lot too. Um, and this is the story of Joseph. Uh, so we, I need to give some background so that we understand what is happening here. Jacob is Joseph's father, all right? And we have the, who are the three patriarchs of the faith? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? Jacob's the third one. Jacob had his name changed by God to Israel. And when it was changed to Israel, out of Jacob came the nation of Israel. And all the nations in the Bible, as you read in the Old Testament, all those nations are named after somebody, whoever started it. And so there's the Edomites, and those are after Edom or Esau, right? And all the Edomites belong to that. And the Israelites belong to Israel or Jacob um, because God has changed, had changed his name. And there were how many tribes in, the, in Israel? Twelve, okay? And to this day, people still trace their lineage back to a certain tribe, and they know which tribe they belong to. The Twelve tribes came from the twelve sons of Jacob, okay? And um, so the chart behind me, which I'm probably blocking for some of you, shows that uh, you got Abraham, who through Sarah bore Isaac, Isaac who through Rebekah bore Jacob, and then Jacob had three or uh, four uh Wives. Well, he, he technically had two wives, and then the other two he, he slept with. They were the servants of the, his wives. And the older sister he married, and then he married the younger sister. That's a whole other story. Um, but Leah was the first one to uh, give birth. And so she, she had Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah. And then, because Rachel couldn't give birth, and she was very upset about that, she offered her servant, her, her maid, to Jacob, and through that servant, he had Dan and Naphtali. And then um, Leah didn't like that so much, so she offered her servant, and he had Gad and Asher. Then Leah had two more, Issachar and Zebulun. And then lastly, Rachel was, again, unable to give birth this entire time. And she had prayed for it, and uh, Jacob loved Rachel the most, so of course he wanted his family line to continue through her. Um, and finally it came, and it was Joseph. And that's who we're going to be talking about. And then when Benjamin came, um, the, there was complications in the pregnancy, and Rachel died as a result of it. But we have there, out of that, the 12 tribes of Israel. So everybody who was born to those sons, traces their lineage back to that, and they were all part of different tribes. The tribes had different sizes, um, and there's, you can read that in the book of Numbers if you want to, and that's where we're at, okay? So we're talking about Joseph. Joseph, second to last born, born to Rachel, who was Jacob's, uh, he was the one, she was the one that Jacob originally wanted to marry the whole time. He got tricked into marrying Leah, so Rachel was the one he loved. And that is where we jump in. Genesis chapter 37, verses 3 through 11, I'm going to read. Verse 3 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons, because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. That's where we get the multicolored, technicolored, whatever they call it, robe. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, 
And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had, where your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. First point, which has nothing to do with the actual theme of the sermon. This is why we shouldn't favor children. (laughs) And there's biblical reasoning to that. Okay, And I know that it can be a struggle. I know that there are many reasons why a certain child can be a favorite. And the Bible, there's many reasons. And it happened all the time. Um, You can see Isaac and Rebecca had their own favorites. And God had his favorite. And that was what God had planned, and God knew and foreknew all these things, and Isaac and Rebecca just did their own thing, and as a result, it brought them further apart, it caused them to have arguments with each other, and none of that is right. And, of course, when one child is favored, the siblings don't appreciate that very much. So, looking at Joseph, though, I want to explore his life and then draw our points from it later. First thing is, Joseph is at least, I'll say at least, emphasis on there, is at least not tactful in this situation. And he could potentially be considered to be braggadocious, and you could say he's sinning and that he probably shouldn't have even said anything or blah, blah, blah. I I don't necessarily want to go that far, um, just my own preference, but at least he was not tactful, not very smart, especially in his delivery. Um, and he chose to share it, uh, the second dream as well, so he already should have learned something from the first one. And he gave his brothers a greater reason to dislike him and he, in talking about his glory and how God was going to make him great. His father's response, his father rebuked him, right? His father's response would help us to probably acknowledge the fact that Joseph uh, probably wasn't being very humble in this situation, okay? Um, because why, why would he rebuke him? Because it says that he considered it. So clearly he, did, he didn't think it was false, but he didn't like what he was saying. <clears throat> what Joseph said and the way he said it caused people to dislike him. All right? Let's get that straight. Now, as a result of Joseph's dreams, his brothers hated him. And what did they do? They sold him, right? They were going to kill him, which we need to keep in mind. Okay? They were going to kill him, uh, but I, I think it was Reuben, I think it was the oldest one. One of them spoke up and said, don't kill him, let's just sell him. And there were traders that, well, actually, he said, throw him in a pit. Then traders came by, they said, let's sell him. They sold him, the traders went on to Egypt, and where he was sold as a slave or as a servant. He was sold to Potiphar, okay? I learned that as a young kid, and every time I pictured a clay pot with like a little fur hanging out the top of it, a pot of fur, okay? They sold him to Potiphar. Watch it. 
Pharaoh's official, okay? So Potiphar was high up, and that's important, all right? We can't, it, it, none of these points are uh, unnecessary or not, they're, they're not in the Bible for no reason, okay? So Potiphar was a, Pharaoh's official. He was high up. God blessed Joseph and his work. As a result of Joseph's work being very good, Potiphar um, made him head over everything in his house. He just said, oh, okay, you know what? You'll be in charge of all the other servants, so I don't have to deal with it. Okay, you can be in charge of this and that, you can, the landscaping, I don't know. And he gave him all these responsibilities because everything Joseph touched was, was great, and it turned great, and it was blessed. And Potiphar knew that, it was obvious. And so obviously, again, we can assume that that was like monetary blessing and physical blessing and things that Potiphar could see even though he didn't believe in the same God as Joseph. So he put Joseph on a high position and Potiphar's whole house was blessed as a result. So as you can imagine, Potiphar was probably very happy with Joseph and uh, he probably got a steal at the market for him. And that's where we continue in Genesis 39, 6 through 10. <clears throat> so Potiphar, oh, by the way, we skipped 38 because 38 is a story all to itself. You can read it if you want, but it's an interesting story. Um, so again, 6 through 10. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me, but he refused. With me in charge, he told her, with me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Uh, okay, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'll stop there. So day after day after day. So not only was Joseph bringing prosperity to the household, but he was also a good-looking dude. And the wife of Potiphar took notice and day after day after day, which, you again, we can read over these things and skip over them. The details matter. It was day after day after day that she attempted to get Joseph to sleep with her and to lie with her. And day after day after day, he refused. And what ends up happening, well, yeah, before we get there, he doesn't want to sin against God, and that's what he says. And I think this shows a little bit of maturity from Joseph. He says, how could I sin against God and do such a wicked thing? So his concern is not just with staying in his master's graces, his earthly master. Instead, he also wants to stay in God's good graces. And he's not just concerned about the fact that Potiphar would be upset if he found out, but he's concerned about what God says. He wants to please his real master and the one who has actually blessed him anyway. See, he could, Potiphar has given him so much, and he has, I would assume, a pretty great life at this point. Although he's a, a slave and a servant, Potiphar does own him 
uh, it wasn't a terrible thing. He was a, he was, it was his work. That's what he worked for that. And he was in a high position and a good position and everything he touched was blessed. So I'm sure the house and the household was doing well. So it's not like he was getting paid little or anything like that. He was in a good position and it was as a result of Potiphar, but not really because it was God's blessing upon Joseph's work that brought that upon him. And Joseph knew this and he cared more about what God thought than about his earthly master. Some, there's a lot of people on this earth, a lot of Christians, who care more about the law of the land than about what God says. And it, to the point of... Man. <laughs> it, 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 people sacrifice their morality and what they know is right, and they take guilt upon themselves because the, if they do this and this, it's legal. But just because it's legal doesn't mean it's what God wants you to do. And people know, people know it in their hearts, and Christians know it from what they've read. If you've read the scriptures, you know what is right. And I've seen Christians fall for the lie that if it's legal, you're good. Now, the Bible says to obey the, the law of the land, and so if you should do it legally, whatever it is, but maybe you shouldn't do it. And that's where I see people fall. And Joseph was not just concerned about being legal as far as staying under his master's command, but he was concerned about what God's desire was. And he knew it was not God's desire that he should sleep with another man's wife. So after these initial attempts, Potiphar's wife made one more attempt while nobody else was there, okay? Again, key, nobody else was there. Do you think the wife would have wanted Potiphar to know that he had slept with her? Probably not. It probably would have been a secret, I'm sure. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he doesn't know. God knows. So in this situation, uh, she got him, grabbed him by the cloak. She was so desperate that he slipped out of the cloak and ran away and left his cloak with her. And... Key word, he ran. Sometimes we have to run. And I, I've told some students through the years, physically, you may have to run. You may have to literally run from a situation. I, can't, I don't know that I've necessarily ever done that, but it, it's just the fact of the matter. Sometimes you may just need a book out of there. That's right. So he left his cloak and ran. His innocence in this situation is what became his downfall as far as man's concerned. Because God, or because Potiphar, his wife, claimed that Joseph tried to sleep with her and, so, and that he was raping her, and then she screamed, and when she screamed, he got scared and ran out of there and left his cloak. Now, I heard it said that if Potiphar actually believed his wife, he would have killed Joseph but he threw him in prison. So I've heard it said that Potiphar didn't actually believe his wife, which you can tell he trusts Joseph a lot with everything he trusts him. So he probably had a good reason to believe Joseph and maybe not such a good reason to believe his wife who was trying to sleep with <laughs> Joseph this whole time. But whatever the case is, he went to prison and it was his innocence that got him in that situation. But God showed favor to Joseph even when he was put in prison. And even in prison, the warden 
saw what Joseph was doing and how great he was, and the warden put him in charge of everything in the prison, and all the other prisoners, and probably organizing, um, I don't know, meals and eating and getting work done, whatever else they did in the prison. Joseph was put in charge of all that. So even in prison, his work was blessed, and people saw it and put him in good positions as a result. Now, Pharaoh's cupbearer and his baker were thrown into the prison as well. Okay, cupbearer and baker. And Joseph, as a, I'm assuming as a result of his position, was able to interact with them. If he had been just another prisoner, it may not have happened. But because of his position, he was able to speak to them. And in Genesis chapter 40, verses 6 through 8, it says, When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. That's the cupbearer and the baker. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there was no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Joseph gives full credit to God. Full credit. God is not only Joseph's source of instruction, Right? It's Joseph up to this point has obeyed God. And he has he didn't didn't mess around with Potiphar's wife and he um, has kept God's commands. But God is not only just a source of instruction, but also of wisdom. And there's a big difference, okay? Because just following the instructions of God and his commands of what to do and what not to do, according to the Bible, is not uh, not enough. To, for us to do what God has called us to do. But God also imparts to us wisdom. Yes. And it's not the wisdom of this earth and the wisdom of this world because the wisdom of God got um, Joseph thrown in prison. Yeah. right? But the wisdom of God will put you where God needs you. That's right. <clears throat> and it sent Joseph to this position where God again gives Joseph wisdom and tells him the meaning of the dreams. God is not just Joseph's master, but is also his savior and the source of all things. Joseph looks to him as source, not just as master. So Joseph interpreted their dreams. He told the cupbearer to remember him. Uh, he told them that their dreams meant that in three days, um, he told the cupbearer, in three days, you will be lifted back up to the position that you were in. And you're going to go back into Pharaoh's house and serve him again. And he said, remember me. <laughs> okay, because I'm down here in prison and I'm down here for false reasons. And he says that. And he told the baker, your dream means in three days you're going to die. And it happened. But it says that the cupbearer forgot. <laughs> the cupbearer forgot Joseph. Two years passed. Two years that Joseph was in prison from that point. I don't know how long he was in there before. Then, Joseph, then Pharaoh had a dream, which not, could not be figured out. And it was then that the cupbearer recalled his interaction with Joseph and told Pharaoh. And in Genesis chapter 41, verses 15 through 16, we get that story. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Verse 16, I cannot do it, Joseph replied. But God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Not only 
does Joseph give credit to God, but he also humbles and denies himself. He says, I can't do it. You're wrong, Pharaoh. But God can. And I, I do a similar thing sometimes where I tell people, I don't believe in you. People who are going through a hard time, I don't believe in you. I don't think you can do it. But God can. Because it's the truth. And we, we, we all hit those points. And Joseph says, I can't do it, but God can. And what I want to get to here, we're talking about the heart of a servant. And this is the mark of a true servant, humility. A true servant of God is humble and has humility at all times. Now, I've thought about this. Humility is pretty hard to find. True humility, right? It's very hard to find. But one of the reasons it's hard to find is because true humility brings no attention to itself. Right? True humility is somebody coming into the church and cleaning it without anybody even knowing that it happened. And people may not even notice that it was clean. And the person who did it, I don't even know if anyone does this. The person who does it doesn't need praise for it. They don't need to say, did you notice? Right? True humility doesn't draw attention to itself. And in this situation, Joseph, Joseph could have just said, yup, God will give me the answer. But he took the opportunity to say, nope, nope, I can't do it. I'm weak and I'm fragile, but God is strong and he knows the answer. But I do want to say that also that humility is not equal to secrecy. Okay, Just because you do it in a secret doesn't make you humble. Because oftentimes we'll get that confused and we'll become Christians in secret. And that's not the same thing. Joseph, Joseph was not being humble by saying, oh, you know, I really can't, uh, but, but we'll see. You know, maybe it'll, maybe it'll happen, but just no, it's not me. He didn't say that. He took the opportunity to evangelize. He took the opportunity to say, yeah, but I serve a God that you don't serve Pharaoh. But he can give the answer. And all of your magicians who Pharaoh already went to, they don't serve the same God that I serve. But the God that I serve can give the answer. And it's not me. Because otherwise you're liable to make me one of your gods. right? But it's the God that I serve. And he ought to be your God. Humility is not equal to secrecy. Don't be secret about your faith and your belief. Don't be secret about that. So Joseph interprets the dream. And in Genesis 41, 39 through 40, this is the last bit of scripture we'll read there. 39 through 40. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Yes. So even Pharaoh says, only with respect to the throne. Not even, he's not even saying, I'm in charge of you. He's just saying, as far as sitting on a seat, as far as being the man, that's still me. But you're in charge of everything. And he puts Joseph in charge because he knows that God is with him, which is exactly what Potiphar knew, which is exactly what the warden knew. And I wonder sometimes if people know that God is with us. All 
Joseph is blessed yet again as a result of his obedience to God and his humility to God. Joseph's blessing does not mean that God is done with him, though, right? Because now that Joseph is in that position, he's in the position that God said he would be in, his dream has been fulfilled, doesn't mean that he's done with him yet, okay? And some of you may be where, I'll tell you the truth, I am where I have pictured myself to be, especially this morning. I've pictured this day, these days of preaching before a congregation for years and years and years and years. And God gave me that a long time ago when he spoke to me. And he, he asked me to do this. But just because I'm here doesn't mean it's fulfilled and I'm done. Right? right? It's, this is just, this is, God has fulfilled that dream. And may he give me another one. Joseph's blessing does not mean that God is done with him. In fact, the greatest things that God does through Joseph happen after this. What happens after this is that his brothers, um, there's a famine in the land, which is what Joseph said the dream was about, and they stored up food for seven years because there were seven good years first. And then when those seven years hit, the famine was so bad, and it was so far-reaching, and Joseph's brothers, who lived in Israel at the time, um, modern-day Israel, they were sent down to Egypt because everyone heard Egypt has food, and... That is when they bowed down to him. That's when his dreams were fulfilled. And that's when God did his greatest work because God, God cared about Egypt. But God's line was going to come through Israel, yeah. right? And God's line didn't even come through Joseph. It came through Judah. It continued to, to go till Jesus, right, through Judah. And so Judah needed to be saved. Judah would have died out in the desert because there was no food. And all of this was a part of God's plan to use Joseph to save Judah, to continue his line, so that David would be born, and eventually Jesus Christ would be born from the line of Judah. So now, looking into the new year. This is no New Year sermon or anything, but, but we do need to look ahead. And... We must desire to be servants of God. If, if your desire is not to be a servant of God, um, but you just want to be the heir of everything that he has, then, then you may not be the heir of everything that he has. Because God has called us to be servants of him. And you know why? Because Romans chapter 6 tells us that we are no longer slaves to sin and servants of sin but servants of God and slaves of God. And it says slaves, and that can seem like a harsh word, but when, when the alternative was slavery to sin, oh man, I, I'm happy to be in the house of God and a servant of God, amen? And to be a part of the family of God. So we must desire to be servants of God. This requires humility to do God's work. Humility, true humility, like Joseph had. When Joseph said, I can't do it, but God... And in, even if you think, okay, God has blessed me to be able to do this. Well, then who did it? God. So it's never you. And it was never me. And what got me here was not me. But it was God. And God's call upon my life and God's favor upon my life. Favor which I'm sure I don't even recognize. As servants, all the glory and praise goes to God. Now, who, who here in the room works for a living? Okay, good. A bit of you. 
and I would hope most of you probably have at some point worked for a living. When you work, you want to look good for your job, but most importantly, at least I would hope, at least what your job wants you to do is look good for them, right? And you represent them. And when, when someone gives you credit, you say, hey, well, the, you know, the job, that's what they require. They do a good job. I've got a good boss. He does this and that and the other. And they, they provide me enough. Oh, yeah, so I'm able to do this, that. And, and you give the credit to the job because that's what the job desires. Now, that's a worldly job, so sometimes we struggle with that. But God desires the same thing. If we are servants of God, all the glory and credit and honor goes to God. Amen? Amen. 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 If we work for him, then he gets all the glory. After all, who had allowed Joseph to be born? His mother, his mother couldn't give birth. So who, who made that happen? Start at the beginning. Who watched over him and protected him from his brothers? They were about to kill him. Who gave him favor in Potiphar's eyes? Who was with Joseph while he was in prison? Who allowed him to interpret dreams? It was God. Who gave Joseph his own dreams? It was God. Who allowed him to come before Pharaoh and interpret his dreams? It was God. Who blessed the work of Joseph's hands? It was God. And who continued to use Joseph even after all that? It was God. Now ask yourself these questions. Who allowed you to be born? Who gave you life? Who gave you purpose in life and a dream? Who has protected you and healed you and brought you to this point? Who has blessed the work of your hands? Who has lifted you to a position of importance at work or uh, in the family or in the family of God? Who will continue to use you and desires to use you for his great purposes? It is God. Now, some of you may be struggling and you don't feel that you're in one of those things. You don't feel that God has blessed the work of your hands because everything you touch seems to break. Or you don't seem to have that Midas touch, right? Some of you may think that God has forgotten you and that you're not in a position of authority. I'm, I'm submissive to everybody everywhere I go. And God hasn't put me in any crazy positions. Maybe you're not in good graces with your boss. Maybe you have family problems and relationship problems. Maybe you're struggling financially. Maybe you feel stuck and like you have no idea what you're supposed to do. You don't even know what your purpose in life is. But if all that is true, I would tell you that Joseph was in the same positions. But who had gotten him to where he was was God. And all that means when, you're, when you feel stuck, when you're not in the position that, that you feel you get to do anything, when your boss is not happy with you, when you are struggling financially, when you have problems relation, relationally, when you have problems in your family, when you need healing, when you're physically beat, all that means is that God's not done. Amen. Joseph, Joseph, I'm sure, thought the same things. That's right. this, so my obedience to God got me in prison, right? But it says that God was with him and blessed him there. God's just not done yet. And maybe... Maybe that position is waiting for you a ways down the road. Uh, 
and maybe it's night tomorrow because Joseph would have had no idea. It came immediately. But God isn't done. And a servant's heart is what he requires. And that's it. That's all he requires in order to use us. All right. Let's stand together this morning. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you that you have been with us here this morning. Thank you, God, that you have spoken to us, that you have chosen this word, Lord. And as we go into this new year, Lord, we desire to be servants of you. Lord, we entrust you with our future. We ask that you would give us the dreams that you have for us. And Lord, that you would allow us to be able to fulfill those dreams that you would give us favor lord that you would shine upon us lord and that you would you would look upon us with favor yourself god we trust in you this new year 2020 lord is yours this church is yours lord our families are yours our friends those whom we have been praying for they're yours lord Every service that's coming ahead, Lord, it is yours. We believe in you and we trust in you. Thank you, God, for your favor upon your people and for your continual protection of us and providence in our lives. Be with your people as they go this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.